0: Thank you, Phil. Yeah, I think it's on. Yep. Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Phil, for your prayer. I'd just like to quickly pray again, if that's okay. Father God, we ask that you open up our hearts and our eyes and ears to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. They say, uh, at five weeks old in the womb, the, our brains start working, start showing cognitive activity. And that cognitive activity continues until the day we die. The only other time, of course, is when you get up to do public speaking. Today, I'll be preaching from Ephesians. For a bit of background, Ephesians is almost certain to be have been written by the Apostle Paul, as an epistle or an ancient letter to the churches. According to my study Bible it's contested whether Ephesians was written for a particular church in Ephesus or more broadly for a a group of churches. And the reason this is, is because the content of Ephesians, uh, the content is very broad. It's written as a kind of guide to Christian living. Um, And whether it was written for one church in particular or to a group of churches is besides the point this morning. But I would like to look at Ephesians through that lens, that it's a a general guide to, to Christian living. Chapters one to three of Ephesians are structured to describe the indicators that we are new creations in Christ. So chapters one to three, as a Christian, you are a new creature. Chapters four to six then offer the imperatives or how we should then live. So you are a new creature, chapters 1 to 3, so you should live like it, chapters 4 to 6. And actually this morning I noticed, Phil, the rules for living that you chose uh, came from Ephesians 5, which we'll be reading this morning as well. Um, But yeah, I'll be digging into it a little bit deeper. Let us read Ephesians 4. Verse 29 to chapter 5, verse 2. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here ends today's reading. As a church, it's God's desire for us to have unity. At the beginning of chapter 4, Paul begins his section on Christian living. You are a new creature, so therefore act like it. He begins with a call to unity. He highlights how fundamental unity is in chapter 4, verse 3 to 6, writing Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That, brothers and sisters is the most powerful call to unity I've ever read. In all those all these components of our faith, Paul clarifies that it, there is only one type of each: one hope, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, who is over all and in all, and at work in all. We also see God's desire for unity in Jesus' final prayer before he is arrested and crucified. In Jesus' final prayer in John 17, also called the High Priestly Prayer, Jesus prays for future believers, for the church, for believers like us. For us he prays, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That's the focus of his prayer for future believers, that we may be one. It seems to me that as people, we are prone to be divided. If we look at America as the leader of the free world, they have deep divisions. The capital riot last year being a tipping point for a number of divisions, including political, racial, and socioeconomic. A bit closer to home, we have seen divisions about the pandemic and how to manage it. Close the borders, don't close the borders. Vaccines, no vaccines. Masks, no masks. Many people cite the rise in social media as the reason we seem to be increasingly divided. People say that social media has fractured our collective media landscape. Algorithms are being used to track and record our likes and dislikes to capture our attention through misleading content and extreme views. But I put it to you this morning that division is not new and furthermore that the root cause of our division is sin. Now, don't get me wrong, it's perfectly natural to have differing viewpoints. In fact, open and honest discussion and debate on differing viewpoints is important. The issue is when opinions and viewpoints give way to unwholesome and malicious talk. It's when hurt feelings lead to unforgiveness. Bitterness, estrangement, that's when relationships break apart. Sin not only impacts you personally and your relationship with God, but it also impacts on the unity you share with Christians. Concerning this call for unity, Paul gives us several important encouragements that we need to remember. Firstly, we need to speak with healthy language. When we look at today's scripture reading, verse 29 begins with, Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. This verse is about the power of words. Paul singles out unwholesome talk. Now, I don't think what Paul's referring to here is coarse language or swear words, but rather the use of words or language to break people down. You don't have to use language or swear words to do that. It might be as simple as an off-handed comment or gossiping or slandering behind someone's back. People often call it venting. It's when what's in here is coming out up here and it's quite toxic because what's in here is not right. The rest of, the, of verse 29 outlines outlines what should come out of our mouths. Words which benefit those who listen according to their needs. Our words should focus on the hearer, not on ourselves. Consider what will benefit the hearer. How can you help them meet their needs? For my day job, I work with people with disabilities and I'm almost always focused on what they need. Which of their needs aren't being met and how can those needs be met? It's the thing that I probably most value about my work. In large part, meeting meeting needs comes down to the interactions I have with people. If we consider our own church community, we can use our words to meet people's needs as well. For example, we can meet each other's needs for companionship. We can use our words for correction, to help guide each other in our decision making or our understanding, to get us off a path that leads to painful or detrimental consequences. We can use our words for teaching, for discipleship, for encouragement, or to demonstrate compassion. When it comes to our words inside the church, The key thing that Paul is saying here is that wholesomeness isn't inward-looking, but outward-looking. Wholesome talk is focused on the other person and their needs and for their benefits. It's unselfish. The second encouragement when we want to strive for unity as a church is we need to be mindful that God is always with us. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting way of putting it, isn't it? We can cause the Holy Spirit to grieve Paul uses this language to highlight the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Grief is defined as a response to loss or separation from someone that, is someone that we are affectionate towards. So it's a feeling. When we sin, when we conduct ourselves selfishly, it impacts on our connection with God. It is hurting the person of the Holy Spirit in us. God the Spirit desires unity. One of his key purposes is to create unity with us, and he wants unity between us. By the way, many Christians wonder if they have the Holy Spirit. Here we read that if you are a Christian, then you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. So no need no need to pray for the Holy Spirit to appear or to be present. He is sealed in you. But try not to grieve him. While he is working in you, he's working towards unity. So work with him. Thirdly, we want to be we need to be on guard against the harmful motives in our hearts. Verse 31 elaborates on some of the things which harm relationships. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Bitterness is concealed, it's deep, it's subtle, like hidden barbs. Rage and anger, on the other hand, are more overt. Whenever I read about anger, I'm reminded of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus compares murder to anger. Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 21, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus says, whoever is angry with their brother or sister in Christ will be subject to judgment. Anger is like murder of the heart. It's sin. Brawling refers to fighting or quarreling in a rough or noisy way. Slander is making damaging statements about someone. All of these are malicious behaviors which work towards destroying unity. They are thoughts and actions that are intended to cause harm. Paul highlights the types of things we should be vigilant of and get rid of if we find um, that we're doing them. They shouldn't exist in the heart of a Christian, and they should should not exist in our church congregation. So, how do we get past all of this malice and tendency to harm each other and to grieve the Holy Spirit? This leads us to our fourth point this morning. The cure for disunity is found in the gospel. For the issue of unwholesome talk, grieving the Holy Spirit, and the evil motives that we might feel in our hearts against people, Paul says in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Ultimately, the cure to all of this malice is forgiveness. Let go. Stop keeping a record of wrongs. And instead, be gracious to one another. Unforgiveness is self-centered. And God has given us the example of forgiveness leading to reconciliation through Christ. Here we find the only thing in all of existence that can empower us to truly live in unity, the reconciling work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, God forgave us not because of our own earning of forgiveness or because of anything we've done, but because the goodness, the worthiness, and the holiness of Christ has been applied to us. In Christ, we're forgiven. The Gospel tells us that we don't have a leg to stand on in terms of feeling like we are better than people around us, the people who have hurt us or the people who have wronged us. None of us has earned our own love or forgiveness from God. Grace is all we have for each one of us, even me. We are forgiven not because we first apologised, said sorry, or did anything like that. But now, as new creations, we are called to be like our Father, who forgave us and loved us while we were still his enemies, which means before we had done anything to, to, uh, to deserve his forgiveness or compassion. If you don't know Jesus, and you are listening to this today, friend, I'd like to let you know that if you call on the name of Jesus, he will open up to you. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. God has made a way for you to be reunited with him today. A free gift. All you have to do is recognize your need and accept him. If you would like that, please come see me after the service today. Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 5 continue. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, which was our rules for living this morning. So, as children, we are called to walk in the way of love, according to the example that we've been given. When the Apostle Paul uses the word walk, it communicates that it's a continuing process. You don't just forgive once or decide to love once and that's finished. It's a sustained effort. It's an ongoing process. Jesus' walk of love led him to be crucified and to suffer immensely. In Leviticus, in the Old Testament, five kinds of offerings were described to the Israelites. They were the burnt offering, the grain offerings, fellowship offerings, sin offerings, and guilt offerings. We often focus on offerings being a form of atonement or payback to God for things that we've done or or for wrongdoing, but they were also a way to worship, also a way to say thank you to God, also a way to celebrate peace or to share in fellowship. When these offerings are described, they are said to have a pleasing aroma to God, Here in Ephesians, we see Paul uses that same language to describe Jesus' walk in the way of love. His selfless walk was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In the same way, then, let your steadfast love and forgiveness towards your brothers and sisters be a pleasing form of worship to God. Some people may believe that they can achieve a united church community without addressing our own sin. If we only have enough committed members, we would be a healthy church. If only we had a pastor, we would be a healthy church. If only we had better events, we would be a healthy church. Today's passage shows us the issue is deeper and more personal. The issue is an issue in our hearts. Paul's message is to walk in the way of love and forgiveness. Finally, I'd like to re-emphasize this. You and I have to address the sin in our personal lives and allow the Holy Spirit to do his healing and binding work in our community, both in us and between us. Get rid of the harmful things you do and say, brothers and sisters. Use your words kindly according to the needs of the person you are dealing with. Be focused on the needs of the other. Forgive your brothers and sisters and follow the examples set before you in in our Lord Jesus Christ. May your walk also be a walk that is pleasing to the Lord, for he is always with you. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we pray, forgive us the times we've grieved you. Forgive us the the unforgiveness and the bitterness that we sometimes hold in our hearts. Cause us, Lord, to let go and to forgive. Thank you, Lord, that you are always with us that you never forsake us, and that even, Lord, when we are faithless, you remain faithful to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.